Hi, I'm Micah Halpern. Thank you for joining me today as I do some thinking out loud. Our first segment is called Background Briefing. The first thing I've been thinking about is the U.S. point of view about the day after the Gaza War ends. A revitalized PA, that is what U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is calling it. His use of language is ethereal. At best, it means absolutely nothing, and at worst, it means absolutely nothing. And yet, this new mantra has become the plan as visualized by the United States of America under the leadership of President Joe Biden for the day after in Gaza and the West Bank. And there is a problem there. A revitalized PA, the day after the war between Israel and Hamas is over, would put the PA in charge. So I ask, where's the change, the improvement, the vision? Blinken did mention new and free elections and to a free and independent press within the Palestinian Authority. In reality, it means putting the current PA leadership right back in charge again. While the United States accompanied by the international community is quick to snap their fingers and come up with proposals with catchy names for the situation in Israel, the application of and the practical translation into reality of those proposals is as tangible as ether. Don't just trust me, learn from recent history. In 1994, immediately on the heels of the much-heralded 1993 Oslo Accords, the Gaza-Jericho Agreement was signed. This agreement was also known as the 1994 Cairo Agreement. Its purpose was to establish the Palestinian Authority, the PA. The goal of this new governing body, called the PA, was to govern Jericho and other Palestinian enclaves in the West Bank and parts of Gaza. The plan was to create a new Palestinian governing body, get that, a new Palestinian governing body, and to sideline the old leadership, meaning Yasser Arafat. Instead, in Tunis, through Yasser Arafat's cunning and political foresight, the Palestinian Central Council made the PA accountable to the Palestinian Executive Committee, aka Yasser Arafat. Simply put, Arafat became the leader of the new PA. So much for a new Palestinian governing body. Back to 2023, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made it very clear that Abbas and the PA cannot be part of the rebuilding of Gaza. His statements are very clear and understandable to all. As the Prime Minister has maintained over and over again, quote, there isn't going to be in Gaza a civilian authority that teaches its children to hate Israel and to destroy Israel, Netanyahu said. We can't have in Gaza an authority, this is the quote again, that pays families of terrorists, and it can't be an authority that the person who is heading it hasn't condemned the October 7th massacre. There needs to be something different, unquote. It should be perfectly clear, he is speaking about Mahmoud Abbas and the PA, the Palestinian Authority. So, while it's not clear what Blinken's revitalized, new revitalized PA will actually be, we are beginning to see what it will not be. From Israel's point of view, it will not be the Palestinian Authority. As for free elections, they are nothing more than another Western pipe dream. The West believes, once again, that they can just snap their fingers and voila, what the West 
led by the United States, is so self-absorbed and cocky that they cannot understand that democracy, with a capital D, is not just about elections. And even if it were, at this stage, it is impossible to safely actualize those elections. Again, let history lead the way. On Wednesday, January 25th, 2006, the Palestinian legislative elections, free elections, were held in the Palestinian Authority, including in Gaza. Out of the 132 seats in the Palestinian legislature, Hamas won 74 and Fatah, the PLO, won 45. Hamas won with an overwhelming majority. Hamas politically massacred the PLO in 2006. Certainly, elections are important, but understanding democracy and freedom is essential building blocks leading to the elections, to any election. Given the situation then and now, there is no doubt, no doubt, that Palestinians would overwhelmingly cast their ballot for Hamas right now. One of the most important and significant reasons Israel is embroiled in its current war today with Hamas is the 2006 free popular elections. Here was the mistake. Non-democratic parties may not be permitted to run for election. They cannot stand for elections in a new fledgling democratic society anywhere. The reason is simple. If they win, they will suspend democracy. That is exactly what Adolf Hitler did after he was democratically elected and assumed control in Germany. He was elected, by the way, twice, not once. And in the early 1933, almost immediately after assuming the position of German Chancellor, Hitler quickly passed what's known as the Enabling Act. Hitler ended democracy only a few years after Germany became a democracy. Many democracies prevent anti-democratic parties from standing for elections. Let's say, for example, Israel. Israel does. Racist parties are banned from elections in Israel for obvious reasons. Germany has a very strict set of laws about this also. 2006 Hamas should not have been permitted to run. Neither should have the PFLP, the Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine, which won three seats in that election. Democracy must defend itself, especially fledgling new democracies in these new environments. Dictators reject elections. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas was elected in January 2006 for the first and last time. It's been almost 18 years, and Abbas has repeatedly pushed off and delayed elections. He even removed the duly elected Hamas prime minister and installed his own. He could not permit Hamas to control the Palestinian parliament. While Hamas should never have been able to run in the first place, Abbas ended democracy. Should a, quote, revitalized PA, unquote, come to pass? None of the old guard can be allowed to be up for election. They represent, they embody, they symbolize the anti-democratic PA regime. They know not what democracy is about. A free election will succeed only after people are taught about equal protection under the law, about minority rights. Independent judiciary has to be established, just to name a few. Only when those running for office believe in the concept of free elections. This will only happen after they are exposed and educated, when they are strong enough and willing to stand for true democracy. At this point, the pool of PA candidates is woefully small. Coming up next, points of view. Instead of columns, 
Today, I want to show you two presentations from a joint press conference of Prime Minister Netanyahu and Defense Minister Gallant. The press conference took place the day after Hamas broke the Lull Agreement and did not deliver and had no intention of delivering the list of 10 hostages due to be released from captivity. Both presentations show important insight into leadership and into the message they deliver and are delivering to the nation of Israel. This is how Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu begins. Citizens of Israel, this evening we received difficult news. It finally became clear that Colonel Asaf Hamami, a hero of Israel, fell in battle on October 7th. Asaf was the commander of the Gaza Division Southern Brigade. Two weeks ago, I met with his family. We prayed together for a different result, which to my regret did not materialize. Asaf was a hero for all of us. May his memory be blessed. As he continues, Netanyahu quotes from the Talmud, embracing the idea of saving even a single soul. He says, citizens of Israel, Whoever saves one life, it's as if he has saved the entire world. Last week, we rescued many worlds. We returned 110 souls to Israel. We freed 86 Israeli citizens, children, women, young people, mothers and grandmothers, as well as dozens of foreign nationals. The entire nation and many around the world held their breath as they followed each release. The Prime Minister read out the names of the children who had been returned home to Israel and welcomed them back home. Netanyahu continues. The psalmist writes in 142, line 8, Take my soul out of confinement. We have taken them out of confinement from darkness to light, from slavery to redemption. Only one week ago, this seemed unbelievable, completely imaginary. And today they're here, wrapped in the love of their families and of the people. How great is the joy of their return, and how great is the pain of those who were murdered amidst terrible brutality and those who have not yet returned. I deliberated greatly before the decision. I asked myself, how does one negotiate with the Satan who murdered, raped, dismembered, and burned human beings, women, children, and infants? A Satan to whom human life has no value. But at the same time, it was clear to me that we could find a way to rescue dozens of hostages from the Satan's claws. I was not prepared to give up on that possibility. Now Israel's Prime Minister explains his plan. He explains that in the end, the people of Gaza need to be re-educated. He continues, My wife Sarah and I met again this week with parents of several of the hostages who remain in the terrible Hamas captivity. We embrace them and I promise them we will do everything to bring them back home, all of them. In order to complete the sacred mission of returning all of our hostages, in order to eliminate Hamas, and in order to ensure that Gaza does not go back to constituting a threat to Israel, and that there will be no element there that educates its children for terrorism, supports terrorism, finances terrorism, and calls for the destruction of Israel, we are continuing to fight with full force. Our soldiers prepared for this during the pause for absolute victory over Hamas. Now Netanyahu gives strength to the citizens of Israel, telling them 
that the IDF are heroes and the IDF will deliver victory as he says, citizens of Israel, I tell you this evening that you have those whom you can rely on. The fighting men and women of the IDF and the ISA, the policemen and the women who have fought with the utmost heroism, they are the best. They have great spirit, strength, and faith. They nobly and heroically bear the pain of losing their heroic comrades and commanders who have fallen, and thus our entire people, until victory is achieved. The fighting continues. I state clearly and unequivocally, we will continue the war until we achieve all of its goals. And it is impossible to achieve these goals without continuing the ground incursion. The ground incursion was essential in order to bring about the results up to now. And it is necessary to bring about future results. We are continuing with the policy that we have determined, strong deterrence in the North, clear decision in the South. We are not sitting idly by in the face of the aggression against us. We are returning fire many times over. Let it be clear, we are committed to restoring security both in the South and the North. If Hezbollah makes a mistake and enters into a broad war, it will be destroying Lebanon with its own hands. Citizens of Israel, we are in the midst of a difficult and bitter war, but there is no war more just. It is a war for our home. All of us are united behind the justice of our cause, and all of us give full backing to our soldiers. A difficult war is yet before us, but in the end, we will be victorious. Together we will fight, and with God's help, together we will win. The Prime Minister delivered a powerful message and goes hand in hand with the message of Defense Minister Yoav Gallant as he speaks to the people of Israel. Gallant begins, Over a week ago, we agreed on a framework between Hamas and Israel, and things were clear. All the women and children held by Hamas should have returned to their homes and families after releasing over 80 hostages, a very important achievement in itself. Hamas violated the agreement framework. Hamas refuses to release 17 women and children held hostage in Gaza. That is, 15 women and two children. As a result, Hamas's decision not to fulfill that which was agreed upon in accordance with the war cabinet's decision. Yesterday morning, I instructed the IDF to resume fire. Now Galant explains that Hamas is beginning to understand the IDF's ground war and how their understanding has changed over the past four weeks. He continues, I follow closely both the action of the IDF and its effect on the behavior of the terrorist organization Hamas. About a month ago, when we were about to maneuver, there were many in Hamas who thought they would succeed in stopping us. They thought that they would succeed in sowing division within Israeli society that some would hold the position that we must hold back and do nothing other than negotiating with Hamas, while others would say, leave the hostages, go and defeat Hamas. We found a solution for this issue. And we know today, everyone knows, both in Hamas and in Israel, that as you expand the military operation, you achieve two goals. First, you strike the Hamas organization, eliminating more terrorists more commanders, more terror infrastructure, tunnels, command and control rooms, and headquarters. Through our military action, 
We also create the conditions that push Hamas to pay a heavy price. And that is in the release of the hostages. It is our military action that has led to the release of 110 hostages so far. Hamas will not determine what happens. Only the IDF will. Hamas's morale is low. Eight weeks have passed since the start of the war, including three weeks of strikes, four weeks of maneuvering, and one week during which hostages returned home. Four weeks since the start of the ground maneuver, it has become clear to us that military pressure leads to the completion of both our goals. The military achievement and the return of the hostages to the state of Israel, to their homes and families. I repeat, Hamas blatantly violated the framework that was reached together with the United States, Egypt, and Qatar. We will return all the hostages until the very last one. The IDF, the defense establishment, and I myself am personally committed to this task. As I conclude, I would like to say a few words about those who are responsible for the results we have seen so far. The IDF, the ISA, Mossad, Israel Police, and all the security agencies. I meet them on a daily basis. I see both the commanders and soldiers, senior and junior officials, and my message to the citizens of Israel is, you have someone to be proud of. You have someone to trust. The IDF and all the security agencies are the defensive shields that ensure our lives in the state of Israel. This is a powerful, inspirational set of presentations by the most important voices and decision makers in Israel today. Coming up, commentary through cartoons where pictures tell the story. I want to show you seven cartoons today. The first cartoon is a take on the idea of a ceasefire. This same theme has been developed dozens of times, not just now, but in the past also. Joe Biden is on the phone with a Hamas interpreter. The president asks, how do you say ceasefire in your language? The Hamas interpreter responds, reload. Very well done, very insightful. The next three cartoons are similarly themed, but creatively very different, different enough that I can show them together and you'll be able to appreciate each one and every one of them. Cartoon number one, let's say, has Hamas comfortably sitting and relaxing underground while above ground, the Gazans are being bombed. Cartoon number two is an Israeli soldier sending Gazans south. Underground, under their feet, we see Hamas tunneling in the same direction. And in this third and last cartoon, we have a group of Hamas terrorists about to go underground. As they tell the Gazans, people stay where you are like I do. Changing themes a bit is a cartoon of a crusader talking to an Arab, each thinking the same thing. They all think together, one day soon Jerusalem will be free of heathens. They are, of course, speaking about each other and, of course, about Jews also. Next up is a cartoon of a Palestinian standing towards the bottom of a hill, chopping away at the wooden support of a very huge boulder, which has emblazoned on it the Star of David. Obviously, by chopping down the support, the boulder will release and the Palestinian chopper will be crushed by the boulder. And finally, in this last cartoon, 
we have a depiction of Iran serving Hamas dinner in a luxury restaurant. Iran serves the dove of peace, and Hamas eats the dove whole. Wow. In a moment, more of my own perspective and a few predictions. In a span of two days, two announcements from the United States, the first United States Central Command announced that the United States aircraft intercepted an Iranian drone operating in an unsafe and unprofessional manner during aircraft carrier flight operations in the Arabian Gulf. The U.S. Navy will continue to fly, it said, and sail where international law allows. The second announcement came less than 24 hours later. A U.S. security official confirmed that an attempted attack by a Yemeni drone was thwarted in the Red Sea after reports of that drone activity and an explosion in Baba Manadab Straits. CENTCOM posted a picture of the drone that was shot down by naval aviators. Like it or not, admit it or not, the U.S. is coming under attack from her enemies. U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, while speaking at the climate conference in Doha, said that Israel has the right to defend itself against Hamas. Then she added that international humanitarian law must be respected and noted that too many Palestinians have been killed. In her words, speaking to the reporters, Harris said, quote, frankly, the scale of civilian suffering and the images and videos coming from Gaza are devastating. So we all want this conflict to end as soon as possible and to ensure Israel's security and ensure security for the Palestinian people. We must accelerate efforts to build an enduring peace. Harris also stated that the Palestinian Authority's security forces must be strengthened to eventually assume security responsibilities in Gaza. But until then, she said, there must be security arrangements that are acceptable to Israel, the people of Gaza, the Palestinian Authority, and the international partners. As noted earlier, the U.S. wants the PA to take charge. Israel loudly, repeatedly, and flatly says no. The IDF spokesperson in Arabic, Lieutenant Colonel Avichai Adrai, addressed the residents of several neighborhoods in Khan Yunus, in the southern Gaza Strip, and called on them to evacuate to demarcated humanitarian areas that Israel set up. Those areas are clearly noted on maps, which were published, and then Israel dropped them by air to all the area residents. Adari announced them, quoting here, residents of the Gaza Strip, the IDF has renewed its activity against Hamas and other terrorist organizations in the Gaza Strip. Adri wrote on his ex-account, quote, complying with the evacuation instructions is the safest way to maintain your safety, your life, and the lives of your families. Israel is doing its best to keep these Gazans out of harm's way. Deputy Hamas Chief Salah al-Aruri told the Pan Am Al Jazeera TV that no more prisoners would be exchanged with Israel until there is a ceasefire in Gaza. Arori said that the, the hostages still being held captive by Hamas were Israeli soldiers and civilian men who had previously served in the Israeli army. He said that they would not be freed unless there was a ceasefire and all Palestinian detainees were released from prison. He said, and I'm quoting here, let the war take its course. This decision is final. We will not compromise on it, unquote. 
Arori seems to have forgotten that women and two children are also being held in Gaza. We've been thinking out loud about a lot today. Now that you know what I've been thinking, let me know what you're thinking. Email me at micah at jbstv.org. Tweet me at Micah Halpern. Tell me what you think. Before we end, let me leave you with one picante piece of information. I want to show you a video. It's a video of the Maccabees, the a cappella singing group, their version of Am Yisrael Chai. It was written in response to the massacre of October 7th and Israel's war with Hamas. The song is about the Jewish people and their continued success, not just in surviving atrocities throughout history, but being creative throughout history. The main theme of the song is light, that Jews give light to the world. It's a perfect song for Hanukkah, the festival of light. There is a lot of video, including in the video, of course, is the rally in Washington, D.C., where the Maccabees, the a cappella group, actually sang before the students at Yeshiva University and other places performed this song. This song, Am Yisrael Chai, speaks to the Jewish life and Jewish creativity, the singing, the celebration, the building of a great future of Jewish life, despite the horrendous massacre perpetrated by the monsters of Hamas. Compare this message delivered to us by the Maccabees to the pro-Hamas rallies desecrating America and heralding destruction and death. History of ages, history unfolds. One people, the unlikeliest of stories ever told. Tiniest of nations, casting light into the dark. Empires have risen, empires they fall. They wield their might against us, but we move on through it all. A lighthouse in the storm, a candle in the night. It has always been the same On and on it goes But the fire only grows Through the ages, through the years Through the pain and through the tears We'll persevere, we'll carry on I'm
Thank you for thinking out loud with me, Micah Halpern. Let's think out loud again next week on JBS. And I want to wish everyone a happy Hanukkah, a festival of light.